Warning, this podcast contains bad words and stories about drugs and sex and overthrowing the government. Proceed with caution. Thank you. And now on to our show. Wake up, brother, we got nothing to do. Let's go outside, just me and you, and build a fort. We'll pack a lunch, won't be home till after dark. Then after dinner, we can sneak back out. You know that high school girl I've been telling you about? Well, she gets undressed about a quarter to nine, and we can watch her do it from the big old pie next door. She got a room on the second floor. Well, looks like another fucked up day in paradise. Dramatic unfoldings since we last met. Such a momentous shift. We almost started a new season. I am Dan Kelly, Shri Fuji Split, and this is the Daughter of God cast. We're still in season four. Choice episode 147, Apparently Insurmountable. That's the title of this episode, Apparently Insurmountable. Why is this episode so late? It's Monday today, Monday of the week after the week that this podcast was due. Uh, not exactly, I haven't missed that. I haven't missed it. I haven't missed it until it's Wednesday of the week after. So it's only Monday today. But why is it so late? Is, is this the latest podcast episode yet? What happened? Toy Story 4 was released on uh, June 21st, uh, 2019. That's Solstice. Happy Solstice belated, by the way. So I got this beard still, and so I'm going to go do my old guy reminiscing reminiscing shtick. Speaking of Toy Story, ah, well, I remember when. So starting in the late, mid-1980s, I attended a bunch of CGRAFs, which is the uh, Association for Computing Machinery's Special Interest Group on Computer Graphics. Uh, and, you know, I started going in, I don't know, the... Late, late 80s, I guess. And then uh, uh, Pixar showed up on the, on the scene, and they, were, uh, they had their shorts there, these animated shorts, and they were often my favorites that would be happening at the Seagraph Film and Video Show. Um, and then in 1993, Toy Story 1 was like the, was it like the first computer animated feature film? I believe it was. That was 1993. It's 2019. Now we got Toy Story 4, which I haven't seen yet. You know, I would not sure. I, if I were a parent, if I were a parent, uh, I'm not a parent, but if I were a parent, I'm not sure I would let my young children watch Toy Story 3 because there's this super nightmarish climactic sequence of toys. They're on a conveyor belt heading towards a shredding machine. And it's really a, it's really very effective cinema. You know, I felt, I felt not a little terror myself watching this. It's so nicely 
so virtuosically sh uh, shot, it's not the right word, you know, composed and rendered and edited and yeah, it's so good um, that, that it's like, oh man, you know, I really felt scared and, and, and upset and unsettled. And not, so they, they barely escaped the shredding machine uh, only to get thrown into a fiery volcanic pit. It's like freaking Mount Doom with lava spurting up and crazy shit. You know, they're in this thing to, this is going to do them in next, right? This lava pit. And, and they're sliding down to their demise and they reach out and start holding each other's hands because they're all going to die. They're going to get melted down. Can toys die? Of course they can. And it's pretty freaking over the top, Pixar. And it made me wonder as I was watching this, I rewatched it lately, you know, don't little kids get nightmares anymore? Uh, I mean, what's the target audience for, what was the target audience for Toy Story 3? Okay, well, anyway, that sort of thing is just the cinematic, the formulaic cinematic finish that almost every movie, mainstream movie does. It's, it's typical. The big, scary, inevitable catastrophe that is somehow avoided just in the nick of time. Um, and it's always got to be some kind of obstacle, some formidable obstacle, if not an insurmountable obstacle that the characters face towards the end of the movie. It's the big climax. And that's when you see that starting to happen... That's how you know you're reaching the end of the movie. So, uh, the end is near. The end is near. Um, my first feature film and podcast must also be almost done. Because an apparently insurmountable, eh, an apparently insurmountable obstacle has fallen, blam, in the path of progress. Uh, let's just do this here. There we go. Okay, you ready for the big reveal? Look. Ta-da! I broke my arm. I broke my arm in two places. Yeah. Uh, how did I do this? <laughs> well... Last week, oh yeah, hang on, let's just adjust this a little bit here, mm, baby, yeah, come on, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, there we go, Ah. Oh. so last week, as you may remember, I was wrapping up my big financial project, and I was super darn dang close, it was, you know, right on the edge there, uh, and I had made an appointment with my CPA on Monday to go and see her in the afternoon, um, and my car, I knew my car battery was dead. So I got up uh, that morning and I borrowed a car and I jump-started my car and let it run for a little while in the driveway so I could recharge the battery and then I turned it off. And then a little bit later on, 15 minutes before, later on that day, 15 minutes before my appointment with my CPA, I went out to start my car and my car battery was dead again. It's like, oh God. So. Another thing you might remember from previous episodes was the mystery doohickey uh, from, I guess it was episode 145, Fly, Float, and Gloat. You know, uh, 
what was that mystery doohickey? You know, it's I'm able to travel with it on the open road, as you might have seen if you're watching that video and not just listening to it. So I'm like, okay, my accountant is only, my CPA is only five minutes, sorry, five miles away. So maybe I'll just ride that doohickey in there, get a little more practice. Uh, you know, the doohickey has got several different, um, several different outcomes. The reason that we acquired this thing. But one of them, primary outcome, is that we're planning to use it in uh, one of the scenes that we're going to shoot soon <laughs> and so uh i figured well okay i'll get i'll take this thing out go the five miles to my cpa's office and get a little more practice you know for the scene that i'm planning to shoot and i had a great meeting with her we had a we had a, you know i felt like i'm really close and she was very encouraging so that was awesome so i got back on my doohickey and i started home and again five miles out to her place and five miles back to mine and less than a hundred yards from my house, this thing that I was on had a glitch. I just love to move over here, just get myself, get my notes. So I had catastrophic doohickey failure while I was going along at 17 miles an hour, which means it basically stopped. And I didn't stop. I kept going at 50 miles an hour. That's the conservation of momentum. It's some sort of a physics thing, right? If you remember your high school physics where something is going, it's going to keep going, right? All right. So anyway, I hit the pavement at 17 miles an hour. Um, it was like I was there I was having a blast. And boom, next thing I knew, I hit the pavement. And I was like, boom, big impact. I smacked my helmet down on the ground. I kind of hit and turned as I came in. So I smacked my helmet on the ground. I caught myself on this arm and my hip as well. And I think I rolled over onto my back as I was still moving. I have some road rash up here and then uh, on my broken side and then a little road rash here too. I must've like hit and then rolled. So I scraped my back a little bit. Um, just for fun, let's look at some evidence. Evidence, da 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 da. Slide over here for a second. Oh, coming back, coming back. And so uh, here is, here's my Lava Dome. I don't know what that's, is that what it's called? I'm not sure, but here's my climbing helmet that I, I use instead of a bicycle helmet because climbing helmets are really way more robust than bicycle helmets. And it's, you might not be able to see, but right here, that's a little scuff that I had from the, uh, the time that I had the, problem, I shouldn't say problem, but I pushed the doohickey past its limits and fell then as well. But it actually told me, hey, Dan Kelly, you're kind of pushing my limits here. And I didn't really understand that. It's called pushback. I didn't really understand it, but I felt it then and then fell off the, fell off the doohickey. And so I have this little scrape here on this nubbin and a little bit of the paint that I painted this black I spray painted this black. That little paint got rubbed off there. But uh, uh, I, when I hit the ground most recently, I got this whole huge, just like boom on the side of my head, like that. And you can see, you can see that there's a good inch and a half of scrapage where my head hit the ground and scraped. Um, yeah. So there's the helmet. I'm not sure gonna. You can see that, but there it is. 
some scrapage. And you know, this helmet's pretty badass. I probably should retire it now after two crashes, but it still looks really good. And there's no cracks or anything in it. Um, climbing helmet, folks, versus bicycle helmets. This is the, these are, I highly recommend this. Yeah. And then just for fun, here are the gloves. So uh, this is my right hand. You can see there's definitely some shredding of the glove there. And on this hand here, it's interesting because there's not as much... Oh wait, sorry, that's backwards. This is the hand here <laughs> that was on... This is the hand that didn't... This is the arm that didn't break. It's still a little bit of scuffing. But... And this one is the one... Oh, this big tearing and shredding is where the arm that broke went down. Whatever. So what else? Um, I also... Uh, I also kind of pulled my groin muscle on the right side, which is the side that I didn't hit. I think basically my body was doing all these amazing contortions to spread the damage out as much as possible. Um, and even though I broke my arm in two places, I'm super lucky. I am super, super lucky. I've never actually broken big bones before. I've broken toes and fingers and stuff, uh, you know, minor things, but never, never big bones. And so uh, both of these bro breaks, I broke my collarbone and I broke my radius. Um, and so both of these breaks, in theory, can heal without any surgery, without any pins or plates, which is awesome. And also, I don't even really need a cast. I just have this kind of uh, splint with this sling. And in a week or two, the splint comes away and I just use the spling, the spling, the split, spling, swing, what the frick is this called? Sling, thank you. I use the sling for another six weeks or so and that's it, I'm done. And then back to like getting my body uh, strong. Um, another thing that may have saved me too is the fact that I am a pretty strong dude and I've been, you know, I take really good care of my body and um, I haven't been doing my uh, high-intensity workouts that I have been known to do, um, but I have a lot of residual strength and flexibility and uh, resiliency that, that persists, and that probably had something to do with the fact that I didn't, um, didn't go into a coma. Uh, so anyway, so I crashed, boom, crashed on the ground, and, uh, and a neighbor lady came running out, who I didn't know, she, you know, just 100 yards away, I don't really know my neighbors that well over there, um, but she came running out, and she helped me, and I kind of crawled onto her lawn, and uh, lay there, and I was, like, taking stock, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is not good, blah, 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 and I started to have really strong visuals, all of the leaves on the trees were, like, blown out, like they were overexposed, just wild, and I think I might have had a little bit of cycling, like, uh, color cycling a tiny bit that you get sometimes maybe if you've ever uh, ever seen um, simulations of people tripping on hallucinogenics <laughs> uh, I think it was a huge burst my my own theory was it was a huge burst of DMT uh, that that hit me um, because yeah well, you could say well it was the con it was a concussion a mild concussion but what was wild about it was I had these colors and I was colors and I was talking to people and they were talking to me, and I was remembering people's names. People were, you know, talking and showing up. And, oh, my God, are you okay, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what's your name? Okay, this guy and that guy. And, 
And so Sandy was the lady who came out and was super nice to me. And then um, uh, Brian showed up on his motorcycle. He's driving by. His motorcycle pulled over, came over, and he hung out with me. And at some point, I was saying to you know Brian and Sandy, I'd like to try and stand up just to see how you know if I can and you know how it feels. And so they helped me stand up, and I definitely started like broke out in a huge sweat and. Uh, and I was, I was definitely like, okay, yeah. And they're like, no, 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 dude, you should sit down. You should not stand up anymore. I was like, all right, fine. So I sat down. But as soon as I sat down, like within, you know, I don't know, a minute or so, all the color effects that I was seeing went away. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm definitely messed up in a little bit of pain and stiff and sore, but I'm not having those strong visuals anymore. So that's why I think it wasn't actually due to the, any kind of concussion. Although, yeah, I probably had some mild concussion. Um, anyway, so uh, then what happened? So then they said, well, we're going to call 911. I'm like, yeah, okay, you better do that. So the like, main thing is I don't want to have happen is I don't want my 90-year-old mom who lives down the street to like hear that I was taken away in an ambulance because that would just not be good. So we need to be sort of discreet about this and keep it on the, the down low. But, uh, and you know, neighbors seem to be cool with that, whatever. Little did I know that my friend, my mom, my mom's massage therapist was driving by at the time and on a way to give my mom a massage some body work and what she does every week and she happened to be driving by at that moment and saw me on the side of the road and saw a motorcycle parked across the road and in her mind said oh he must have had a motorcycle accident and so when she got to my mom's house the first thing she said was I don't know how to tell you this but I think Dan was in a motorcycle accident Bing, 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 bing. So for all my good intentions of keeping my mom out of the loop here and not having her worry, that was completely blown out of the water. So pretty funny, right? Pretty, pretty silly how things go. Uh, so let's see. Um, uh, ambulance came. C cop was there, blah, blah. Um, little story about the cop. I'll just skip that. We jumped the ambulance. Uh, they put me on a gurney, put me in the ambulance, rode up to Traverse City where the big hospital is. I spent, uh, what did I spend? Five hours in the emergency room. They took Buku x-rays and they did a CAT scan of my head to make sure that, um, that there wasn't any hemorrhaging or whatever. And that turned out to be fine. Um, I, went, I went to the hospital in Traverse. I spent five hours there and $5,000 <laughs> in the emergency room, um, having them basically give me x-rays have the uh, the um, the X-ray guy or gal? What do they call that again? The person who reads the X-ray? I'm forgetting now. That person look at the X-rays and say, "Yep, there's got some broken bones." And uh, then a guy came in and and gave me this sort of wrap my arm up and gave me this you know put the splint in there and blah 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 wrap me up. And I just sat there and sat there and sat there and sat there and waited and waited and waited and waited. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm like, come on, nurse. Show, talk to me. And the nurse came in. I'm like, hey, is there going to be like a doctor going to show up at some point and tell me all this stuff? I mean, because I hadn't any note. I just had the, I just had it wrapped at that point. No one really came in to give me any information. Um, except the guy who came in to wrap it said, yeah, you've got a broken this and that. I was like, okay, great. I'm like, hey, can I have a doctor in here? What's the plan? You know, we're going to have surgery. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I want to know. What's up? What's next? And so after a few minutes, the nurse comes back in. She's like, well, I just talked to the doctor and, and yeah, we're going to, we're going to let you go. Let you go home. 
I'm like, okay, that's good. So, uh, uh, you know, we got an appointment for you to go to see a bone doctor tomorrow or whatever. You know, you call them and you make an appointment with them. And so anyway, uh, yeah. Um, my friend Carrie showed up. I asked her to come and pick me up and she was just awesome to have, to see her face and to have her around after this happened. She's just a bomb. So she came, picked me up, and brought me home. All right, so anyway, there's this, there's this story, the epic story. So uh, now what? How, how will we, how, how will we, how will we do anything now? Well, well I mean, finish a movie as a one-handed guy acting uh camera work uh writing just writing more stuff um you know it's like writing on the keyboard i'm like i'm back to hunt and peck because i only have one hand so i can't just reach out there with both hands and know where the keys are it's like oh i gotta have two hands to know that so now it's like i have a t h e okay anyway so um and, and forget and forget about keyboard shortcuts, you know, where you like you got really good at After Effects, where you can actually command whatever and do that. You know, no, you you can't do keyboard shortcuts anymore with one hand. So that pretty much that pretty much sounds impossible, right? How am I going to finish this movie with a broken arm? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, okay. So. Just a little something to offer here. Innovation, right? Innovating. Um, I did a little search on YouTube. How do you do dishes with one hand? And I saw some videos of different people. Some people had messed up hands, and and uh, and um, some people had broken their hand, their arm, or whatever. And how do you do dishes, right, with one hand? So I'm like, okay, that's a start. Let me figure that out. And I, I did cheat because I had a huge thing of dishes in the sink. I'm like, all right, once I get my account, my financial stuff project done. I'll clean the whole house. It'll be amazing. It'll be so much fun. Well, yeah, so I had this huge sink full of dishes. So my friend Melanie came over and helped me do some of those dishes just to kind of, you know, get the bulk of them out of the way. But I actually, before she came, I actually did some dishes with one hand and I, I used some of the techniques I learned on YouTube. I'm like, okay, this is kind of doable. I can, I can do this. This will work. And then I have some secret Kriyas as a yoga Tai Chi uh, um, uh, leading edge sort of health professional. I have these different kriyas that I do that basically require two hands, and and I've actually been able to do some of my secret kriyas with just one hand. So okay, that's I didn't even think I could do that, and, and just basic hygiene, like how do you floss with one hand, and uh, all the other stuff that happens in the bathroom. How do you do that with one hand? Um, and I've been able to figure it out. I've sorted out all that stuff. So it's like, I, I never, I never imagined the possibility that X chore or X practice or whatever it was could ever be done with one hand. But I, I found a way. Or maybe the way found I, found me. The way, the way finds us. And it's kind of dark. I hope you can still see me. So 
So it, it might seem, it might seem that finishing a feature film single-handed is an impossible dream. But you know, we humans are dreamers. And the more impossible the dream, the better. The doohickey affair has moved this podcast and this movie beyond theory to the starkly pragmatic. All you know, the spiritual shit I've been shoveling, you know, maybe you take it with a grain of salt, whatever, like use your imagination. Imagination is more important than knowledge. You know, your presence, your emotional presence is super important. Just choosing joy as often as possible. You know, that's either going, that, that spiritual shit is either going to start stinking, really stinking soon, because it's shit, or it's going to be transformed into rich compost, packed with everything that plants need back into the cycle of life. You know, we're shit machines, just like we're dreamers. And shit is powerful stuff. If you know what to do with it, if you don't flush it down into the water table or into the sewer pipes, it can be a great gift to the land. And then again, back to yourself. It really depends on how you look at it. And so I actually use this metaphor of shit it's a very powerful metaphor for me because is this stuff that I talk about nonsense? Well, it really depends. We're going to find out. We're going to find out now because look, we now have a broken arm. So how, uh, how is the, uh, how is this spiritual perspective going to enable me to finish this movie with a broken arm? And shouldn't my spiritual perspective have prevented me from getting a broken arm? Shouldn't I have avoided this strong contrast? I don't know. I think... I think breaking... I think what I... I think I want to... The easiest way to convey this is to say that breaking one's arm in two places as a means for triumphantly finishing a feature film that's a valid strategy, right? I mean, let's 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 dig into that just for just for a minute or two. See what how that possibly could be true. So, I'm going to start by talking about the positive aspects of of this. Like, okay, yeah, I broke my arm. <laughs> I can't use my arm to do anything, at least not for a little while. So how could this be positive? What positive aspects could there possibly be? Okay, well, here's one. Let's, let's, just, let's just talk about it. So this is from my notes on 619. I guess this happened on um, 618. Is that right? Monday? I think that's right. Anyway, it's the day after. So I was just thinking about the positive aspects of this. Well, Carrie, who's a really good friend, and I love her a lot. I don't see her that often. But this was an opportunity for her to come and pick me up. We had this great talk on the way back from the hospital in Traverse City. And it's just super cool to see her. And I wouldn't have seen her otherwise and had this interaction with her. Okay. So, you know, give me that. And then the next day, my 
brother Steve showed up. I'm like kind of flailing around, trying to get this sort of doctor's appointment figured out, and the freaking office isn't calling me back. It's just kind of a train wreck. And I'm like, all right, look, I want the path of least resistance here. I, I, want, I want to just be clear. Either it's I'm going to go to this doctor or I'm going to find another doctor. I'm going to feel really good about doctors, whoever this doctor is that comes uh, into my life to kind of give me this, this uh, prognosis. And it's going to be a non-surgery prognosis. And uh, I'm going to really like this person. It's going to feel good. And uh, this appointment's going to happen really easily. And, but I'm kind of like, you know, I'm kind of didn't really get out ahead of it. I was kind of, you know, frustrated and struggling. And why aren't these people calling me back? And so I'm on the phone with them. And just then my freaking brother busts in the door. He's like, oh, what's going on? Hey, let me talk to him. And so he like takes the phone away and he does like all the, he does all the overhead for me after three tries, three, there we go. One, two, one, two, three, three tries getting to this doctor's office that the emergency, emergency room suggested I call finally he gets through and he gets me an appointment for the next day just you know he's just like rah, 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 and gets it to happen so it's like okay I didn't have to do anything really after being frustrated and, and annoyed for a while a a flow happened boom that just put it together okay cool, that's cool I didn't call him up I didn't ask him to come over he just freaking showed up at my door which he probably haven't he hasn't come to my door in his in his in in his in his fleshy body has not darkened my doorstep in probably a year and a half two years maybe i can't remember exactly but it's been a long time since he's just he's even been at my house invited and a lot lot longer since he showed up at my house uninvited so that's kind of interesting um and uh the day later that day I was like, okay, you know, I knew my mom had found out about it, and I'd called her from the hospital. I'm fine, mom, don't worry, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, well, shit, I'll go down and see her. So I, I called her up and said, hey, you home, I'm coming over. So she's like, I'll walk down and see you. I'm like, no, I need to walk and move my body. You stay there, I'll come see you. So we, I walked down to the, her house and hung out with her for a while, had a really nice time, and we laughed and yada, yada. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk back. She's like, well, I'll walk back part of the way with you. And it was really sweet. You know, I'm walking down with my mom. I'm holding her hand. We're walking down the road together. This seems a little dark. Let me let me lighten this up just a tad bit. Just a tad bit. Hang on. Because I think this is a little bit dark, dark, dark. Come on. Come on. Come on back. There we go. And let's go to there. That's a little better. So I'm walking back home with my mom. I'm holding her hand. We're walking down the sunny street. And it just feels good to hang out with my mom. And, and you know, we're having a nice connection. And the best part was we walked by my neighbor, who I do know, and he saw us coming and his big smile came on his face. It's like one of those moments, right? Yeah. So that was cool. Um, and uh, and then, the, so here's some notes from the next the next day, 620. So um, what else is positive about this? Well, really important is I get to take responsibility for my emotional experience. When things are going, you know, pretty good, it's like, all right, well, you know, things are going pretty good. It's easy to feel good. When things are a little rougher, it's like, well, I really got to be on top of my, how I feel and what I choose to feel. And so this really gives me an opportunity, really gives me an opportunity to be very proactive about how I feel and choosing what I want to experience. 
um, it would be very easy to get discouraged. I, maybe for not for everybody, but for some people, it might be very easy to get discouraged when something unpleasant, uh, painful, debilitating, uh, setbacky happens. You know, a lot of uh, that could trigger a lot of unpleasant emotions. Um, and so, this is an opportunity to be like even more on top of feeling good. You know, this is a problem. This is a huge problem. Boisterous and invincible presence at this time is maybe even easier. What are the other positive aspects of this? Well, I get to ask friends for help. We get to enjoy warmth and support of other people. And, you know, not, I don't want, I don't want 30 people in my life helping me, but there are two or three or five people who I feel really good about calling on and will feel really good about being called upon. And that's awesome. That's a lot of fun to be able to have that in my life. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't push that button every day. And so here it is. This is a chance to push that button and have that incredible supportive interaction with people. So that's super cool. Again, you got to kind of have a broken arm to do that. Do you? Uh, you know, not necessarily. Um, but it's certainly, it's certainly a uh a valid a valid uh <laughs> circumstance to allow the warmth and the support into your life and not only am i allowing it but but it also is an opportunity for those people to express their love and to express their power to demonstrate their power in in being helpful and and nurturing super cool okay uh um and here's another thing that's positive about this. I've got to get more efficient about everything. Just I automatically am more efficient about everything now because it's like I don't have I don't have the luxury of two hands to do things. So I've got to make sure my time in motion is really sleek. Yeah. So I'm I'm more efficient about everything now. Um another positive aspect, again this is still from 620 here. I'm thinking about these things. Uh I guess probably I have I have more compassion now for tougher situations, people who find themselves in tougher situations. So that's kind of nice. And also, because I've got to figure out ways to do things that are innovative, I get to do more makery than I normally might have to. I've got to figure out how to basically make a fake arm for myself, something to hold while I'm holding something in my good arm. What can hold and be the object Whatever. Yeah, you get that? So there, I have to actually invent more stuff and make up more stuff. It's starting to rain here, so I better kind of crank through this here. So, uh, and another thing, too, is that I found that uh, I found that I had... Oh, how are we doing here? We're getting rain on the laptop. Uh, I guess we're okay with that. We'll watch. We'll watch and see what happens here. Everything in pretty much is out of the rain. So even if I get rained on a lot. I found out that um, my friend gave me some Rick Simpson oil. It's marijuana now is legal here in Michigan. And I got some Rick Simpson oil because I've been very curious about that, but I haven't really used it a lot. Turns out that, that if I spread that on my arm at night and then rewrap it, I sleep really, really well. And there's like zero pain. I mean, on first night I didn't sleep at all. I was like lots of pain. And I opted not to take painkillers because, you know, fucking opiates and, and that whole thing, forget it. Um, I really would like to, and I want to know what my pain is. How, what's my level of pain actually? 
without numbing it out. Uh, and so I went to my first night in sleep. It wasn't really pleasant. But hey, um, uh, this RSO applied topically, perfect. It just knocks this down, makes it really relaxed and chill and feels good. Hang on, I got to check, see if there's any water on my laptop. No, they're good. Um, and what, what's like one another positive? No surgery. No surgery, folks. No pins or plates or whatever. And uh, basically, I wear the splint for a couple weeks, and then I wear a sling. And, and so it's not a big deal. It's pretty much a, an amazing outcome. Amazing prognosis. Super lucky. So that's a positive aspect of it. I don't have to go and get any surgery. Is it getting dark? Ooh, it's getting dark. Maybe going to have a full thunderstorm here. Um, and here's what I wrote on 621. Super important, positive aspect. I still get to swim. In a week or so, I'll be putting on this meshy sort of sling that I bought, and I'll be getting in that water and swimming. I have, I have an entire summer ahead of me of swimming, and I can make one part of my body super strong while I'm waiting for this part of my body to heal up. That's episode 147 of the Daughter of God cast, apparently insurmountable, where life imitates art. My broken arm is by analogy the seemingly insurmountable obstacle facing the cinematic hero. All we've learned about her, our character, our main character, her striving, her failures, her blooming, has suddenly become hugely hyper-relevant. She has been forged by the hammer of experience just for this moment. She is about to accomplish the impossible. Me finishing a movie? Boring. Me finishing a movie with a broken arm? Interesting. I could finish this post-apocalyptic romantic comedy with one arm tied behind my back. Maybe I broke my arm on purpose. <laughs>